Hey guys, welcome to Church and Other Drugs. My name is Jed. How is everyone doing on this fine Monday morning? Uh, pretty good week so far. Been doing well. Um, today's episode was recorded actually, uh, I don't know, a few weeks back with me and Kenzie, and it is with uh, Phil Drysdale. He, um, Kenzie sent me an Instagram message of this guy, so what he does for a living is research and provide like support groups for people that are deconstructing. So I had plenty of questions for him and he was able to give some pretty like hard facts and data about like who is deconstructing, why are they deconstructing, you know, uh, numbers of people leaving the church, stuff like that. Um, he has his own podcast and, uh, I will post all the links in the show notes, but I thought it was a pretty good interview actually. Um, not much other than that. Just uh, just started the Umbrella Academy season two. It is awesome so far. That's my weekly recommendation. If you've never watched that show, oh, and continuing my recommendation of The Leftovers on HBO. That is a really awesome show that I can't believe I never watched. Uh, and you know, as always, send me an email: churchandotherdrugs at gmail dot com, patreon dot com slash churchandotherdrugs. Uh, storefrontier.com slash church and other drugs and all the music is on my Spotify playlist you can find it uh, church and other drugs and also my, the podcast is on Spotify if you haven't discovered a Spotify podcast yet so y'all enjoy the show introducing podcast I, I still I, we were just talking about how long i've been doing this show and it's been six years and i still have not figured out a non-awkward way to begin interviews uh yeah so have you uh, not just started just doing it like in my podcast i've given up and i just like just people call me and i'm and then like 20 minutes in i'm like you realize we started 20 minutes ago right, right. I, I, that's what i should have done like i should have just been recording but yeah just that ambush I, people I know, it's the best, <laughs> especially if you get them to, because the, all the juice comes before they, they realize the that they're right. being recorded. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. Sorry, I just got So, I'm here with uh, Kenzie. Oh, oh, with Kenzie. And uh, so, is it Philip or Phil? Phil. Phil. With Phil yeah. Drysdale. Drysdale? Drysdale? Drysdale. You had it first, yeah. Awesome. Phil, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Where, uh, with that with that lovely accent, where are you coming from? all over so i'm in manchester in england okay um i'm a scotsman that's lived all throughout the uk lived in ireland i've lived in america for a few years i've been around um and my accent kind of shows it yeah so are you a fan of the cranberries the cranberries the 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 band yeah the band oh i'll be honest with you as someone that doesn't really listen to music i prefer the fruit (laughs) Big, big fan of the cranberries, the but cranberries. Uh, not <laughs> of, uh, that fast about the music. It, you know, just when you said that, it occurred to me that I didn't even realize cranberries were fruit. They don't seem like fruit, right? <laughs> it's a berry. I don't know. Kenzie, your Skype is, I don't know if Phil can see it, but it is doing some LSD style trippiness oh. right now. Dude, you look this... great to me, uh, Kenzie, so I'm pretty confident Jed's 
ingested some LSD. He doesn't know anymore. He could have just like cracked his neck weird. Yeah. And you know, (laughs) whatever that rumor was. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. The old, um, the old, uh, LSD stays in your spinal fluid. And if you crack your back, you'll, uh, have a trip again. Oh, wow. Which is cost effective way to do it, I guess. Exactly. It's, 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 it's an easily debunked theory just by, uh, (laughs) I'm like, do you like, you would feel it. Would you, if you have supposedly these crystals chilling on your spine, I'm pretty sure you would feel that. Wow. Constantly. Yeah, yeah, plus like every other person coming out the chiropractor, like just like tripping balls. <laughs> like, like, oh, <laughs> yeah, they call him Doctor Feelgood. Um, <laughs> so, Phil, you you uh, you have a podcast as well? Uh huh. Yeah, uh, I'm an egomaniac, so it's called the Phil Drysdale Show. Hey. Um, it's it's been through a few different names over the years, um, <laughs> but I changed so much, and I've changed the focus of the podcast so much i eventually was just like you know what the only thing that doesn't change is my name um so let's just go with that so yeah the phil drysdale show yes it's so and i've been meaning to go back and it's so funny how uh like the you know you're you're another podcaster so we can kind of talk about this but like the how your show you know you start off with this clear goal and it's going to be this or whatever and like I remember I was so concerned with like the minutia and I was like, I got to get all this good gear and stuff. And like <laughs> fast forward five, six years and I just try to do it as quickly and painlessly as possible. <laughs> my, my editing turnaround is like 10 minutes. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, I, yeah. I am, chop the beginning, chop the end, get it out. Yes, dude. I, I'm not a, you know, for, at the beginning I was like going through and taking out all the ums and the gaps like, oh, oh dude. God. For, yeah, no, no, no I do, thank you. I do two interviews a week, and they're usually between two to three hours. I'm not editing six hours of no. video and all. <laughs> Screw that. It's going straight on, raw, right as it was. Right. Whatever happens. Yeah. Uh, pe- people say stuff, and they're like, "Oh yeah," like this one person, and they'll totally out a person, and they're like, "Oh crap, I shouldn't have said that." Can you edit that out? And I'm like, "I hate you." Oh yeah, I yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna have to. Like writing down what time it is, I'm like, you have immeasurably ruined my week. Oh yeah, I'd rather I have, like, can I'd we just can we just start the conversation over? <laughs> can we just do that? Yeah, it's, in fact, it would just be easier to redo the last hour yeah. than for me to edit that five minutes. Oh, it's not worth it. Man. It's not. It's not. What's your What's your day job? This is my day job. This is what oh, I do. Well, you so, lucky son of a bitch. Well, you have money, so like it's it's a play, it's a payoff, right? So you get to do oh, this oh. as a as a life but you don't have any money um, or <laughs> you get to have a job, get some money and then do this as a, a side gig. I don't know. I, I don't know if you do this full time as well. Um, no, I will. But yeah, this, this is what I do full time. I, I, I put out podcasts, put out materials. I do research. I spend hours and hours a day working with different people that are coming out of different types of religion or evolving in their spirituality. And so it, it's a full time job. I spend a good 60 hours a week doing what I do and, I don't charge for it, so uh, uh, there's no other options for me. Really, I can't go and get a job uh, yeah. in the extra, you know, whatever hours. My wife would kill me if I got a job on top of what I do. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. I, th- I think like the first year, I had possible aspirations of trying to do it full time, and then I was like, nope, it's not, it's not, it's not in the cards. So uh, let's just let's just do it. It's it's just my extra, um, my part time job. So I had uh, Kenzie on this one because he's actually the person that uh, he screenshotted your uh, Instagram story or one of your Instagram posts, and he was like, yo, you've okay. got to have this guy on. So that's, uh, you know, we owe. That's why we're here. That's why we're made. here. It's because of Kenzie. <laughs> that's it. This is how it works. Um, and, Slowly and, revolving around Kenzie, this world. Yeah. It, once right people figure it out. I've just been sucked into <laughs> your <sighs> Once people figure it out, I mean. God, you know. that, I can see your ego from here. <laughs> I can see your ego. So, Kenzie, and this is it's it's a it's a pretty timely and appropriate subject for both of us. I, I would definitely say um, I've gone through and currently am going through different phases of deconstruction. Kenzie uh, mm-hmm. was actually, I guess you you want to tell yourself. 
I'm sure yeah, you do. E- Ego sure. Monster, your uh, favorite subject, <laughs> Kenzie? Me. Uh, yeah, my favorite subject is my demise as a pastor. Um, <laughs> uh, so everyone who's listening to this podcast uh, has heard this story, oh, what, every time I get on. Um, and uh, I, so I was a, I was working at the United Methodist Church, um, and if you know anything about how their process works, uh, you kind of go, you know, you go through, I was going to become a licensed local pastor. I had to take uh, this thing called an MMPI, which is a really long test that's like 700 questions. Uh, Jed knows all about it. Um, And so I took that in it. I scored super high in mania, but everything else has within normal human limit, which always just makes me laugh because it's like aliens created this test and they're like, yes, humans are this. Um, and, but my mania was really high. And so I was like, well, I do have ADHD. And the guy was like, Oh, that could explain a lot. Um, but there's concern of you being bipolar. And I was like, okay, yeah, that's great. He's like, and so we're not going to hire you. And I was like, what? Wow. And, And so, uh, I actually, I was actually already a pastor at the time and they were like, uh, they were like, yeah, so I was living in a parsonage and it was my job and it was my income and I was getting married in two months and they let me go. Wow. Yeah. And so, um, that kind of sucked, uh, love of the death. Uh, but, um, yeah, so that's kind of like mine, my stuff. And then. I got introduced to you actually, uh, kind of just through a, a the, he's in California, like a spiritual nomad, uh, has a, uh, Instagram thing. And I think I commented and you commented back and something, I think we had like a quick interaction. Uh, and so I was like, Oh, who's this guy? And so I clicked on your thing and then I found out you deal a lot with deconstruction. And as time sure. has gone, I'm definitely in a deconstructive kind of, uh, place where i'm trying to figure out uh not figure out i kind of know where i'm at but you know i'm definitely in that place of was i believing a bunch of this stuff because it was my job or was i believing this stuff because it was real to me Mm. and so i'm kind of like there and i'm figuring out the stuff that i did believe because it was real and i'm really starting to realize the stuff i only believed because it was my job yeah right you know um, so it's a really, it's a really cool place, uh, kind of scary, uh, because, uh, especially cause my wife actually, she still works at the church. Okay. Uh, nice. She, she worked there for longer than I ever did. She's been there for four years. I was only there for a year last year. Um, and she's the youth pastor there, but, uh, yeah, she's, uh, so that that's kind of where I'm at. And then Jed and I, as now I have known Jed for three or four years now, uh, as you know, as we talk about how podcasts have changed of like, you know, Jed definitely, it was a lot more focused on drugs and stuff. And now it's just like uh, us being like, so giants were real. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> but no, it's, it's been, uh, and so I know like Jed, uh, Jed and I have kind of walked through very similar spaces, at least in like our thoughts and kind of like, mm. we really kind of have been walking with each other in a lot of our deconstruction and, and all of that, the good, the bad, and the ugly part. So he can obviously tell you more of his own, um, but yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. Yeah, sure. That's cool. Yeah. Really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this, I started this, uh, this show cause I'm a, a recovered, um, heroin, poly substance abuse, drug addict, right. Who, who also happened to be Christian. So I was going to, um, I don't know how familiar you are with like 12 step programs and, uh, Alcoholics yeah. Anonymous, but so I was, you know, half in the church and half in AA meetings and realizing that there was a lot of things to be learned from each other and a lot of I was really starting to um I was raised a uh, southern presbyterian had some pretty uh literalist fundamentalist ideas grow up grew up with a lot of spiritual guilt um and like salvation anxiety and uh um everything I do is sinful. I'm a piece of trash, you know, that that sort of mindset and then and then coupled with uh you know, I have severe depression on top of that and uh so it's just a recipe for um lots of confusion and mm. guilt around my spirituality right and so just been really trying to figure out what what kind of like Kinsey says what what do i actually believe um what what meat do i want to chew and what gristle do i want to spit out that sort of thing sure and, 
Um, e- even lately, it's like where I'm where I'm at currently is just a very confused space, and and lately I've I've felt very dark night of the soul esque. Um, very like feeling like God is distant. Uh, really getting tired of the feel good evangelicism and like the typical church culture stuff and really just trying to figure out where i'm at so i'm kind of interested to hear um Mm -hmm. about your work and stuff yeah i mean that's fascinating i mean i I deal day in day out this is this is who i talk to people like yourselves um and every other imaginable combination of someone that starts asking a question about the faith they were handed, you know, and, and mm-hmm. that looks so different. I'm sure both of you, even when comparing notes, would go, Oh, that's the question that sparked it for you. Oh, right. interesting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is a question for me or, you know, or, or maybe situational, you know, so some people, um, the church not being able to handle something as simple, simple, but like, you know, the world knows <laughs> right. how to sit down with someone that's going through depression and go, oh, okay, well, we'll look at getting therapy. We'll look at getting medication. Like we've got some different things that are proven, that are tested, mm-hmm. that we know we can work with. The church is going to go, um, let's, let's pray for it and it'll just <laughs> go away. And it doesn't, yes, it's probably dude. like addicted to porn or something. And it's like, right. cool. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> Help God. <laughs> um, you know, so it's yeah. it, it, it's often uh, different questions that we have, different um, moments in life, like a depression, like like the death of a loved one, like someone getting sick, um, like a divorce. Like there's these different sparks and catalysts that occur in our lives um, that usually push us to these questions that usually um, cause us to sit and, and ponder, huh, that's interesting. This worked for me up until now, but it's not really working. Why? Yeah. You know, and so you start to look for that line between what you do believe uh, because you really believe it and what you believed because you've just been handed that and you're not actually entirely sure you believe it. Yeah. Um, and so it looks so so unique for everyone. You know, everyone goes on their journey um, for what that can look like. It can go through so many um, different um appearances you know people go into agnosticism or atheism some people come out of that the other end and go back into christianity or into something else um some people stay within the concepts of christianity at least they would call themselves a christian all the way through many other people might not like that they call themselves a christian still um and so it can look so different and it can be a really hard and and painful process because most people's experience um of growing up within christianity um on the whole maybe in more evangelical um, circles is it's not a movement that permits much change a lot of questions a lot of doubt that's not what we're built around we're built around having a certainty of a certain um, belief structure a set of ideas a set of doctrines or theologies Um, and so it's something that you very quickly find yourself quite isolated quite lonely um friends family churches can very quickly turn their back on you if you're particularly open about what you're going through and then if you're not open what you're going through you still go to the church you still hang out with friends you still hang out with family you don't really feel loved or seen at all because you're not yourself right because you know the second you become yourself there's going to be some issues right stuff's hitting the fan um and so yeah what you're going through is not um isolated though as well and this is the thing that because of that dynamic of coming out of communities, coming out of friendships, families, and, and feeling like, oh, I'm the only one in this group and everyone's turned their back on me, it can feel like very lonely. But actually, people that are deconstructing their faith, which is just a, a buzzword that's used for this kind of process, there's loads of other terms, loads of other um, ways it can, can express itself. Um, that group of people is the fastest growing group of spiritual a fastest growing spiritual movement in America today, 2,700 people a day are leaving the church um, and 78% of them. So over 2000 of them still holds to some sort of faith. So they're not just going, I'm done with this. I'm just going to be an atheist Um, that some might be doing that, but the vast majority of people, and you're talking 2,700 a day, that's about 3 million people a year leaving the church in America. Wow. Um, that's not leaving one church to go to another. That's being done with do you, church. Do you, what are the, huge... oh, excuse me. What, what are the numbers for new, I don't like new converts. What would you call them for new church members? So it's a really fascinating one on the whole, pretty close to zero, right? What? Really close to zero. Um, the church is not getting people saved. It's getting 
some people saved, um, but the vast majority of church growth comes from people from other churches. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so what you're just, seeing is almost swapping every... around. Yeah, exactly. It's just like a what? big game of like whatever. I don't uh, know. Musical game. chairs. Um, but what's happening is um, most denominations are shrinking. The evangelical church and the charismatic church, which comes into the evangelical church in a lot of ways, um, those are the two groups that are growing in America, the only two groups that are growing um, out of every single denomination. What's interesting is their growth comes from the other denominations. So some people are leaving and done for good. Others are leaving and moving to evangelical churches because they're much more family friendly, open to, you know, I don't know, whatever a whole set of the populace is looking for. Right. Um, it might be more certainty. It might be more black and white thinking. It might be um, great music. It might be a mega church dynamic. Uh, you know, there's so many different um, things that draw people in. But those people that are coming in are not coming in off the street getting saved. Of course, I'm sure thousands and thousands of people are. But we're talking in on the scale of the numbers we're talking about. It doesn't register. You're talking a fraction of a percent of people getting That's... saved. It's not a big number. That's super interesting. I guess that makes and that makes sense. And it's I, I was getting chill. I literally got chills while you were uh, describing the the um, myself really because it was it just hitting so many so many points. And I, the tr- the trouble the issue I've come up against now though is, and I, I was really involved in some uh, deconstruction communities. Um, of, of, of like-minded people. But then what I found, I was like, I don't like y'all either. And this is not a good alternative. <laughs> and all we're doing is creating an echo chamber about bitching about how bad church is. And this is Absolutely. wrong. And I don't believe how, how could I have ever believed that? And, and with someone like myself who, if I, you know, I, if I like completely lost all belief i do not think that would be a good place for me and i'm kind of experiencing that where it's like no i i definitely don't need to jettison everything but it needs to be replaced and and the people that are just content with deconstruction deconstructing and kind of staying there and not replacing it with anything besides like secular humanism or something or just like Mm. some weird morality like let's just be good people or social justice or uh politics it's just like that is not for me and i've i've had the thought because i remember it's like there were periods of time when i was involved in uh, super evangelical or super charismatic movements. And I was like, Oh man, I had some good feelings there. It's like, maybe I just mm-hmm. need to double down, turn my brain off and just go drink the Kool-Aid again because it's, I mm-hmm. miss that certainty. I miss that, uh, reassurance and comfort of like knowing what I believed. And, and that yeah. was that and having a conviction and all. And it's like, but I feel like I've been woken up from the matrix and it's like, I don't know how I would, go back to that at least yeah it's really hard to go back i i have known on a hand like people that have you know one or two but the vast majority of people despite wanting to go back right missing that community missing the certainty missing how everything kind of clicks together and makes sense and life kind of works and when it doesn't work it doesn't really matter that it doesn't work because you know that everything will ultimately work out and you'll be in heaven and it'll be fine and like that is nice there's no no one's questioning that at all Mm, but like once you once you have um like the matrix is a great example right once you take the pill morpheus is going dude do you really want to take this pill i'm serious because you might not want to take the pill um like i i'm frequently telling people people come across my stuff and they're like what is this who are you you know they're getting upset and i'm like dude this is the moment where you go i don't want to take this pill turn around walk away block me if you can Right. right. I mean, just do not hang out here for long because you're about to take something you do not want to do. Um, 
and, and I don't think you can particularly force people on this journey very much, but I think some people stumble into it. In fact, I would argue that most people stumble into it. Very few are looking to deconstruct their faith, right? Most, mm-hmm. it's actually, what's interesting is one of the myths surrounding deconstruction is that it's people that don't take things seriously. They're not very passionate. They, they're kind of lukewarm and they've kind of just like ambled off the path and, you know, they just weren't very serious about their faith. It's actually quite the opposite. The data shows us that people that deconstruct their faith are generally speaking the ones that are the most involved in church and the most passionate about their faith. And it's because of that. It's because they were seeking God with such fervor and asking questions to such a degree that they stumbled off the edge of the cliff and realized, holy crap, there's no actual floor here. Yeah. Um, and so in a sense, actually, deconstruction is, is it, it, it's, it's a negative word in a sense. We think of deconstruction, right? Knocking down a house or something. But you wouldn't really look at if you've been given a plot of land with a big house on it that was a piece of crap, right? And you had plans for an amazing new home and you were like, I can see there's going to be something amazing here. I need to just knock this building down. You wouldn't see the process of knocking the building down as a negative thing. Once you've got the perspective of a long-term journey, you go, well, yeah, like this is crap. It's not useful. We can't live here. We can't do anything. It's probably unsafe for people to play in it. Let's get it down. Um, And so I think actually deconstruction is often just a very natural part and progression of our spiritual growth. Now, I do think spiritual growth for some people will end in some form of humanism, might end in agnosticism, of atheism. Um, what's interesting, and, and this is anecdotal, we're, we're, we're working on getting some data on this. I, I do research through a, a network, um, the deconstruction network is called, um, and, and we're working to do some more clear co- cold hard data on this rather than anecdotal but what i've found in working with thousands of people going through deconstruction is that people that are um more charismatic or pentecostal in their backgrounds so this is like people that have these these experiences with god they're very experience oriented they're not just like i I read my bible every day and god speaks to me and i guides me and that's wonderful i have no problem with that if that's where people are at but these are people that go well that's good but i actually experience god like i have these experiences one day i felt god and it felt like fire or like or i saw god heal someone or or someone gave me a profound word and i knew it was god speaking to me or whatever it is Mm -hmm. those people find it very 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 hard to let go of Christianity, even if it's for seasons. They, they really struggle. They, they cling to their Christianity through their deconstruction. Um, and so it might be that, you know, you have to deconstruct the house and maybe some of the foundations are screwed up, but they are clinging to their favorite lamp in that building and going, I am not getting rid of this lamp. It's yeah. going to be here in the new building. When we're done, this lamp is going to be right in the middle. Yeah. Um, and, and, and it's really common for people to find certain things um, that – they will take from their past. Um, it's, it's really common. There's nothing wrong with that. You know, the thing about people deconstructing their faith, people assume they're throwing everything out. That's very rarely the case. It might be quite seasonal that you throw everything out, that you go, I can't, I just have to put it to the side and figure out what I believe. But as you start figuring out what you believe, you go, actually, there's quite a few things I kind of want to incorporate here as I move forward. Um, and so it, it really depends on the person, I think. So someone like yourself, you know, that you're going, I, I can't, entirely let go of everything here that's that's quite normal and it's okay i, I think for me I've, I've learned to take things very um a, a, to be as unprescriptive as possible um i think most people who are going through this journey have they're done with people being prescriptive on what their journey should look like mm. right that's part of the reason they've left usually is someone yeah. in authority going this is what it looks like this is what you should believe and this is what you should be doing people aren't looking for that right they're, they're right. going let me figure it out um, and so I, I try as best I can not to assume what works for me or what works for a lot of people will work for the person in front of me. It's probably going to be quite unique to each person based on the questions they have, their experience, their journey. Um, and I think we need to be uh, we need to try and be as open to people's uh, own individual journeys and, and then making their own mistakes as well, whatever that looks like. That's OK. I, I, I don't really think that's a, a big concern on the whole i'm not talking about making mistakes as in i don't know going on a killing spree but i, I don't think many people <laughs> deconstruct they go ah i'm not sure you know like uh god would really kill his own son so that he didn't have to kill me i know i'm gonna go and massacre an entire village uh, that's usually not right. the next step right the next <laughs> yeah. step is usually i'm gonna research atonement theories you know it's like yep. there's yeah a, you know and so they can make mistakes they can go oh, i'm gonna believe in this theory and it might be wrong I don't see a cosmic God being too worried about someone believing the wrong atonement theory for 20 years, right? I mean, yeah, 
most that of the church true. has probably got a lot of stuff wrong for the last 2,000 years, right? I mean, none of us could have been, you know, it's impossible for us all to have been right because <laughs> yeah. we're all different and we all believe different things. So in your, in your research, what have been the common uh, impetuses for deconstruction or events or uh, specific beliefs? Most commonly, it comes through suffering. Almost, almost across the board, um, you can map people starting to go on a deconstruction journey. Um, you can map it to a, a season of suffering in their life, whether it's a divorce, whether it's a death, whether it's a sickness, whether um, uh, it, it could be a whole host of different things. It can be something beyond suffering. It can be a, a moment of great love. So Richard Rohr talks frequently about great love and great suffering or what brings change. Um, so it could be maybe you have a child. Um, and now some of us might go, God, damn, that's great suffering. Um, but, <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, I've heard many, many times I just recorded a podcast a couple hours ago with a woman and she was saying what caused her to really deconstruct her faith is she had a daughter. She already had a son, but she had a daughter and realized I do not want this girl to live with the crap I have to live with as a woman in the evangelical church. Mm-hmm. There's no way I'm going to let her live so limited, so put down, so boxed in. She's going to be free to be all she can be. And so she started to explore what does God really think about women in a whole new way for the sake of her love of her daughter. So it's not always suffering, but generally speaking, it's some very um, catalytical moment in their lives. And the questions look across the board differently. It's going to be things like, how can God really be good with suffering in the world? Can God really, is God really loving if he sends, you know, seven eighths of the population to hell for eternity? Is it even, it, and what's justice? Is that just to burn a person that was, you know, just didn't say the prayer, but was fairly good uh, to let them burn for 20 years, maybe fair. I don't know. 30 years. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. 1 billion years. Well, I think we're pushing it. God, you know, oh wait, it's 24.8 trillion years. Okay. God calm down, you know, like it's getting a bit weird. Um, at a certain point, even punishing Hitler gets to a point where you've kind of, you've gone beyond justice and you've uh, as in for a, an eye for an eye kind of style. Mm-hmm. And you're just going into like really vindictive weirdness, you know? Um, yeah. And so people asking these questions going, is that, what is justice then? What is love? If God looks like Jesus, um, if you have um, Israelites going into the town of Canaan after like wiping out all the Canaanites, they go into the town and they get to pick out their new homes, right? It's like, sweet, free homes, you know, this is great. <laughs> they go in and they're clearing out the house and they go into the, the upper back bedroom and the third bedroom. They open the door and cowering on the floor is a 14-year-old that's pregnant and she's clutching a two-year-old to her chest. And you know what you got to do, right? There's, there's no question here. Can't kill every man, woman, child, and then kill their animals, right? So we know what we've got to do. So you're standing there with your sword dripped in blood because you killed everyone else. And you now have to stab this pregnant young girl and a small child. If you imagine Jesus walking in that room, do you still have to stab the pregnant young woman and a child? Does he go, yes, this is holy. This is justice. Kill her. This is love. None of us conceptualize, no no one can picture the Jesus that we have come to know and learn of doing that. And yet God is Jesus, Jesus is God. We, 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 we're supposed to see these people as interchange. So people start going, it just doesn't make sense. It just it's not adding up. Um, and, and there's a hundred other questions. You know, there, there really is. It might be to do with women. It might be to do with race and, you know, all the Black Lives Matter stuff that's happening recently. Like, you know, the colonialism in the church you know we we have been complicit in the most horrific atrocities based on race based on um xenophobia and hating other nations you know that's been part of the christian ethos for hundreds and hundreds of years um you know i can well imagine at a certain point if you're black or you know latinx you're sitting there in church going what the and that's enough at a certain point you click it just becomes too much, you know, um, your pastor going, well, yes, you know, black lives matter, but you know, I think it's important. We recognize, you know, it's like whatever. And, you know, yeah. and you're just going to sit there going, that's it. It's, it's clicked enough that I'm going to sit there going, is God really saying that? Is God really, that's what God's about. Um, yeah. and so it's, it's different for everyone. Um, I just did a podcast with someone the other day and, and for them it was, um, Oh, did we just lose, 
I think his wife walked in. Oh, it's just it's a video. Yeah. Um, it, for them, the, the catalyst was in 2016 when Trump got elected. When they, But it wasn't that Trump got elected. It was that they found out that 82%, I think 81, 82% of the evangelical uh, support went to Trump. And that for them was going, They just it, it was just this big pause on their life going, wait, I'm an evangelical. Yeah. 82% of the people around me? support this guy and think he's like christ-like and yeah. it was just whatever people believe about trump or whatever I, I don't really care that's not what i'm here to talk about but but for them that was a catalytic moment where they were like i am going to start asking questions because i don't i can't add up two and two here sure. um and, and it happens at different stages of life it happens to different people for different reasons it's, trump it's also a, can't so add, up, add up two, yeah, and two right. so that's <laughs> Well, I think of – I also think of like how many of my friends who I, – I have a few friends, specifically one I think of who like – so I, he and I were both uh, – we went to Bible college together, um, and he was definitely on the more conservative side of things, whereas I was on the more progressive side of things. And he, you know, he worked for some mega churches as interns over the summers and like all this stuff. Um, and it's so interesting of like after college – his sister came out uh and because of that he is now so radically different you know it's kind of what you're talking about with that great wow. love or mm -hmm. great suffering or what you know whatever it is of like he was definitely on the you know homosexuality as a sin and dev like way in there and then his sister came out and he realizes you know it's that moment where he's like i love this person too much yeah. and if i love this person then why would God not let, you know, like, and yeah. I can't even, you know, and so just to see him of now, he's totally different. And he has walked away from a lot of the like mega church stuff that he used, you know, he was definitely part of that mainstream evangelicalism and is now way more on the social progressive end of, of Christianity and, and all that. Yeah. So I, I think of that also as, as kind of, a, that was a big catalyst, you know? Yeah. And it makes it very hard to estimate who's going to be next who's yeah. going to deconstruct yeah. next you know there is definitely markers of people that are moving in certain directions certain certain ways but it does look so different for different people and it's caused by such a different thing you know like um you knowing your friend and knowing he was quite conservative or whatever you would probably have gone ah, we've had a hundred conversations there's no way he's changing anytime soon right yeah and yeah if you were to come up with you know 10 strategies on how to change your friend right and i'm not an advocate for trying to right. weirdly force people to change their beliefs or anything. Uh -huh. if, if what you believe works for you i'm like that's awesome as long as it's not actively hurting people i'm like right. okay you do you um but if you were to come up with 10 strategies for how to change your friend, that one might not have even been on the list, right? Yeah. Have his sister come out as gay. You know, I, I don't know. Yeah. Um, but it, <laughs> and it could have made him it could have made him worse. Right. Because I know people that their their family members yeah. have come out gay. I talk to people frequently that are um, LGBTQ uh, plus uh, and I talk to them frequently that have been completely cut off by their family and their family have become more militant because of them coming out. They've almost got something mm -hmm. to prove. You know, they almost right. have to prove their loyalty to the to the system Regime. that doesn't believe yeah, in this. It's, it's like, oh, the, the oh, Lord is testing me, but I'm going to be strong religion. in this. Yeah. Yikes, dude. What about, so what about personally for you? So for for me, I mean, I, I kind of, I'm a bit of a weird ana anomaly, really. Uh, in it, On the whole, most people going through this find this to be a very painful journey. Um, it, it can be very stressful um very terrifying you know you're 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 going through quite an existential crisis um i love having an existential crisis i seek out existential crises so <laughs> i'm i'm one of the very small percentage of people that actually like i seek this stuff out i've always wanted to question what i believe and push myself in a new way to try and find out something different um that's not to say that i haven't been in a place that is very different to where i am today you know i've changed a lot the whole way um, and there's definitely been seasons in my life earlier on where I was much more conservative, um, I, conservative and liberal. And, and these terms can be quite unhelpful, but you understand what I mean yeah. in the sense of right. like, I would have right. been scared by where I'm at today, basically, is yes. what I mean. Yes. Uh, a bit more fundamental, a bit more black and white about how I think. Um, but even then, I was asking questions. I was pushing. Um, I was I was trying to find books I knew I'd disagree with and read them. That That was just kind of how I was brought up, which is for me, I'm very happy and, and, and glad about that. I'm sure other people would be terrorized by growing up that way. Might be some sort of childhood trauma because of it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so for me, 
it was a whole host of things. You know, I grew up in um, my dad was a pastor. I grew up fairly conservative, a kind of conservative, charismatic kind of home. Um, I then kind of moved into kind of a brethren kind of background, which is extremely fundamental, very black and white. Women sit on one side of the service, men sit on the other kind of thing. I mean, Whoa. really intense. Um, and look, this is what I mean when I'm like, I just go, well, they're different. Let's go see what they think. Um, yeah. And so I spent a couple of years there. Then I went to like an extremely um, outspoken, very well-known charismatic uh, movement in California. And I spent a few years there. Um, but even when I was there, I'm like, I'm reading like Brian McLaren, but right. I'm also being like John <laughs> Piper. I mean, one yeah. week my friend was dying because I was reading John P- Piper, uh, God is the gospel. And I'm reading Brian McLaren, a new kind of Christian. And he's like, neither of them are where we're at. And I'm like, I know. And he's like, but neither of them are even close to each other either. They're both heresy to each other. And I'm like, yeah. I know now I've got three different opinions I'm learning this week and you know, it'll be interesting. Um, and so that, that's kind of how I've always kind of um, wanted to operate. I, I assume that if someone believes something different, if I've got something to learn from them, even if I'm learning they're idiots and they're wrong, sure. um, I'm learning. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, I, I, I'm a bit of an anomaly. Uh, I am. I have come across a lot of people that are like me though. You know, I, I'd say a percent or two go through this journey with great glee and bounding off the cliff going, what's down there? Um, yeah. do, do you have yeah. any, do you have any tenants that, that are unflappable that you just, they have always stayed or any um or any i guess the kind of the question is like you know what what makes a christian a christian like in, in any core beliefs um well i think most christians would would probably um if you whittled down far enough you would find that there's still some core belief somewhere there you know uh, jesus is the son of god or jesus represents god perfectly or something along those lines I, I don't know. For me, I, I don't call myself a Christian. I have no need to call myself a Christian. If people like look through my beliefs and go, oh, this guy's a Christian, that's cool. But I mean, I don't really care. Um, the, the labels are, are something I'm not particularly interested in. And generally speaking, when you, we label ourselves, what we're doing is we're probably uh, playing into other people's concepts of what that label means, right? And so everyone has an idea of what a Christian is. And that's why a lot of people go, I don't want to associate with Christianity anymore. Because most people hear the word Christian and they hear hypocrite, judgmental, hates gay people, this, that, that, that. Now, that might be true for you. might be true for me. I don't know. I don't really care. Like I, I really don't care. If someone calls himself a Christian, I'm still not going to assume any of those things. Um, but I'm not going to call myself a Christian because so many people will assume that thing. So hear me out. Listen to what I believe. Then you can label me. Label me agnostic, Christian, nutcase. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think for me, my I, I don't have anything that is off, you know, sacred over to the side. We're not allowed to touch that. Like, it's just the way I operate. Um, I, I just think like that all the time. Like, I will literally go, all right, let's put this core belief over there and imagine what life would look like. How would God work? How would spirituality function? I give my wife like existential crises all the time. I remember one of our first dates, I was just like, you imagine there was like no afterlife at all what would that look like it would be really interesting and i went on this like ramble <laughs> and i turned around because we were on a road trip or something and i turned around and i looked at her and she's like crying and oh, i'm like God. what's wrong with you and she's like i'm freaking out and i'm like i just said <laughs> can you imagine it doesn't mean it's true just imagine it uh, but i i have an ability to kind of disconnect a bit and kind of explore Whereas yeah. I know a lot of other people find that very hard. They're very rooted in their belief where um, to play around with the beliefs is to kind of very much play around with their emotion and how they engage with that reality. Yeah, um, so identity. I don't, you know, I'm like, yeah, sure. There could be no God. Let's think about that and mull over that. I could even live my life for three days going, I'm going to live like there's zero God at all. What will my life look like? How will it change? How will that affect my morality? How will it affect the way I see people and the people I love? Or what if I live like um, an open theist that believes that God doesn't know the future? Huh, let's act like that for a week and let's pray like that. Let's, you know, whatever like that. Let's see how it works out. I'm very um, I'm very excited about exploring new concepts and ideas. It's part of what I do. My, my work is to sure. explore these things as well. Um, but, do you attend uh, a church? I don't. I don't attend. I, I, I fought to the nail. So, I mean, I, I used to travel to about three, four hundred churches a year and speak. I mean, I was Good like grief. a couple of churches a day for <laughs> half the year. Um, and so I, I, I know church inside out. And, and I was a part of a church locally for, gosh, close to probably six years or so here. And, and, and that's the last church I've been a part of. But 
my my I, I believe in the church. I think the church is a beautiful thing. I think it can be a beautiful thing in in the community. I think it can really represent Jesus well and look like Jesus. Um, but I also recognize that um, that the church is something much greater than any institution. And 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 ultimately, the part the church that I was a part of wasn't able to um, to thrive with someone like me around. It just too many. <laughs> God, I feel that way sometimes. Too many people were too black and white. Having someone like me caused them anxiety, caused them fear. Much like my wife crying in the car, right? I mean, you know, someone asks a question, and I go, "Oh, what about this?" And like four people in the church have like a freaking heart attack, and you're like, uh, "Maybe I should just not come on Sunday." You know? Yeah, <laughs> um, that yeah. never happened by the way. No one had heart attacks because of me. Um, I think <laughs> that you um, know of. And, uh, that you know it's of. been a while. Yeah, I know. Of. <laughs> um, but but so really, we parted ways more because of that. For me, I've got a thriving local community of people that um, have a, a great mix of, of spirituality and what that looks like to them, mostly centered around the person of Jesus, um, many not. Um, and that's, to me, my, my church. It's my family. It's the people that I love. It's the people that we're forging in a, a new world that looks more like what I would call the kingdom of God, that looks more like uh, embodied love. Um, and, and to me, that is my church. We, we get together all the time, pre-COVID at least, mm-hmm. um, hopefully post-COVID. Um, you know, we get together in a pub, a couple of times a week we hang out, we go to each other's homes, we, we just do life together. Um, but I'm an anomaly. I, I'm, I'm a bit out there and, and, and I am not a, a poster child for deconstruction. I think this is a really important thing to to hammer home is deconstruction looks different for every person. We did, we just did some research and 34% of people that deconstruct still attend a local church at least once a week. And so deconstruction doesn't look like leaving church. It does for two thirds of the people, but it doesn't necessarily mean that you leave church. A lot of people that still are in the church are kind of trapped in that situation. Maybe they're yeah. the pastor's wife you know, it's hard to leave the church when you're the pastor's wife. Maybe yeah. they, um, their whole family still believe and they love it and they go, eh, I'll go every Sunday. Um, there's, there's different dynamics there that, that cause people to stay. Maybe they're younger than 18 and they've got to go until they get to 18 and they've got a bit of freedom or whatever it might look like. But on the whole, there's a good chunk of people that are going through this process of deconstruction that still go, I'm really happy to go to church. I want to be a part of church. Um, yeah. Nice. Well, Phil, we're we're winding down. I, I thank you for your time. Where uh, where can people find all your research, podcast, all that stuff? Yeah. So for research, um, the Deconstruction Network is a great place to go. It started as a website that is just a big map of the of the, of the world, and <laughs> you can stick your name and your uh, on on the map and message people that are local to you, and they can message you. And the the heart behind it was people are lonely going through this journey, right? You you. You grow up Baptist and you go, ah, I'm a charismatic now. You know where to go. You leave a Baptist church and you go charismatic. But if you deconstruct, it's really hard to go, where do I go to meet other people that are deconstructing? And so that was the heart. I was trying to connect people. But through that, we've um, we've launched, um, we're doing every few months, we're doing some research some short st- uh, surveys and, and I'm putting out data on that. So the deconstruction network, if people want to be involved in the research there, um, we're just about to put out a big paper in the next week. Um my Instagram is where I post most of my stuff. It's where how I chat with people day in, day out. Um, and so it's just Phil Drysdale, P-H-I-L-D-R-Y-S-D-A-L-E. Um, that's the best place for people to connect with me, send me messages. I reply to every person that messages me. Um, I spend four or five hours a day on there helping people that are processing their deconstruction and going on that journey. And so um, that's a great way to go as well. And then I do have some teaching on different topics, different um, theologies, psychology, all sorts of different stuff. You can find that over at thegracecourse.com. Uh, and so people can head there for that. And then there's loads of stuff on YouTube and my podcast, uh, The Phil Drysdale Show is on YouTube and any podcast app. And um, that's two, three hours, a couple of times a week of just interviews with different people that are deconstructing or experts in that area. Um, and that can be really fun as well. So there's plenty of ways. No excuse for people not connecting with me. <laughs> well, Phil, thanks so much, man. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. I really enjoyed it.
No, please don't. 